Welcome to Curiosity Chronicles. I'm your host, AJ, along with co-host Kai and Darwin. This is our second published episode about genetics. <laughs> okay, so what exactly is genetics? And like, what is the basis of DNA? And what is a genetic? Exactly. Yeah, what, what is it? Well, actually, DNA itself is very complex. It's long strands of nucleotides, which is what makes up DNA. It's like the basis, the most simple component of DNA, and they stack together to make a long chain of really complicated code, really, in, in the sense it is code, exactly. And in these nucleotides, they have bases, and they read differently for, for proteins that go and go onto the DNA, they read differently. So they act like letters or symbols. Um, and there's four different kinds of them. And so this makes a, a coding language basically for life. And the places where DNA codes for something that would be expressed are actually called genes. So that's what a lot of people reference when they say like, oh, I have this gene or whatever, right? It's like what, you're exp what DNA is expressing. Yeah. Yeah. So how can code in DNA be expressed in the first place, right? And that's complicated. But in the most basic terms, first, a protein, and if you're interested, it's called RNA polymerase, copies the code onto a new molecule, or it makes a new molecule called messenger RNA. And so this DNA code is copied onto something that can move around the cell instead of, and go away from the DNA, basically. And so this RNA then can move to a place called a ribosome. And this attaches, to sp this attaches specific building blocks of proteins that corresponds to the code on the RNA. So it basically translates the DNA RNA language to actual protein. And proteins are so important because building these proteins make complex proteins with thousands of these building blocks and these can carry out complex functions and these complex functions can make stuff like pigment for hair color and so everything is basically created because dna codes for instructions on how to build a protein and then proteins carry out these functions and so dna can be translated into proteins using these kinds of um, like translation methods with in the ribosome and so when they get translated they actually turn into actual protein and protein does all the work in the body so everything makes everything like yeah anything that moves is really protein okay I know it's crazy so a very a very um, cool thing about genetics is that it actually changes. So you can, it changes over time in many different ways. And that makes people, like that makes why, it's why we don't stay the same over time, right? Like we actually change a lot. And it's cause all of these signals and everything turn these genes off or on. And so they do not get transcribed into a protein that can like go and proceed with function for whatever expression, right? Yes. Yeah. And so a cool part of genetics 
or the most recently, I guess, discovered is epigenetics. Yeah, it is very epic. It is a study of how behavior and environments affect genetics, which is really weird to think about how, you know, an outside factor can actually affect your genes directly, but there are actually ways that this can happen. And so, yeah, they're... I mean, yeah, they don't because it's all luck. I mean, that's what l life is really about. It's all about luck. And so it's just, if it works, it works, right? And so these signals and whatever, they just came out of nowhere. And they're, if they're advantageous, right? If Because mutations in DNA, right? Causes a change in whatever function, right? Because that directly codes for proteins again. So if you have mutations, right, that are just by chance, Right, that's that's how evolution works. It's just it's just chance. They don't actually know what they're doing, which is kind of crazy to think about. That all of what we have right now is chance over billions of years of evolution, which is yeah. So, how do genes get turned off? Is by the environment is actually something that's been studied for a while, and it's not actually. I guess it's it's not very known fully, but there is two processes that really do this. Um, the first pro process is called methylation, and the other one is called deacetylation. And it's not very needed to know the specifics of what goes on, but these two processes can coil up genes and stuff like that, where instead of something, so basically there will be a protein that does this, and that gets signaled from somewhere else in the like outside or whatever, right? And so with these processes, you can suddenly get a change in something based on, oh, you're stressed, or you're taking, I don't know, you're drinking alcohol or whatever, right? There's so many factors that can change this. And so that can directly change how you are expressing your genes. Um, so for example, they can coil up a gene, again, hair color, that can, exp that puts pigment into your hair, right? And so if they change this, you might actually have white hair. You know, maybe a lot of stress could cause white hair or your hair to fall out. I mean, that's, people are, that, that's a thing that happens. And this is probably the reason why, is because when you're stressed, your cells can figure that out and they decide, you know what? I'm gonna just coil up some genes. <laughs> oh, he's stressed, remove his hair. <laughs> yeah. And so it's not technically advantageous, but it's like an extra step to make sure that, you know, I mean, by luck, some of these stuff would actually be super advantageous, right? So it's like an extra step to make our bodies so more complex and so it can deal with the environment. And sometimes, you know, that is not in the most logical way because it's all luck, you know, how we get this stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean... Yeah, and the crazy thing about epigenetics is these coiled up DNAs, they can like get passed on. I mean, it's not often, but they can get passed on. So someone who has something turned off, right, could actually pass that on to their offspring. And so, you know, they might have a gene that just got turned off because someone took, I don't know, they were 
taking drugs or something, right? And so that turned off their gene, and it didn't turn back on when they passed it on to their offspring. So like these effects, or actually other things could be like, you know, very stressful situations can pass on to your offspring. Yeah, like adding on to that, this is basically how generational trauma happens. And it's actually really cool to think about how... Cool. No, it's cool <laughs> to think about how like your parents' experiences are passed down to you in a way. Yeah. So it's not all just, oh, you were born this way. There's a cause for why you were born that way a lot of the times. And it's, it's epigenetics. Yeah, it, it's really crazy because it, it differs from, you know, luck, like mutations based on luck. Because that's what, for a long time, that's what most of us actually thought, right? That, that's what the knowledge we had was about DNA, is that, you know, your genes get passed on because of luck. And it's not actually affected by the be your behavior or the environment. But actually, it can pass on because of the environment specifically. Right, and it's not luck in this case, right? Or not, you know, natural selection, whatever. That's choosing for these genes is that your experiences can actually pass on and have long-term effects, and that's really crazy to think about. Yeah, and speaking of, you said something about drugs. Uh, there was this research paper I read, part of. It was really cool. They, they basically fed rats lysergic acid diethylamide, LSD, and they found that it affected their epigenetics in a certain way where their offspring would be more, like, genetically varied, you know, which is really weird <laughs> and cool because why does it do that? That's weird. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I think your body gets like in a certain point those your body kind of goes into panic mode right like what do i need to do right and it's just by luck turn off some genes right and you might or turn on <laughs> others right and you might get something that you know and that that works and so that's like the extra way of making variation for the mice to survive right i mean variation is so important because you know things like viruses or bacteria or whatever right some things can't survive that right because their genetics don't are not making that possible right like yeah maybe a specific virus can target you know some sort of some parts of your genes or whatever right to start making you know to start taking advantage of it and so in some cases right genetics can actually give you immunity to viruses, like for example, coronavirus, right? Some people had immunity to that, right? Yeah. I, I forgot what people had the immunity, but genetics directly affects that. So variation is so important because those people who had immunity, even if we didn't get a vaccine, humankind would survive because some people are resistant. And so this goes for a lot of things. So if, if it's advantageous to get variation from a state that, you know, from foreign objects coming into your body, right? that you're not used to, it, it makes sense why epigenetics is a way of, you know, surviving. And so why it exists, it, it makes sense, right? That your body can go yeah. into that mode, right? To try, start tra trying to change things to make you survive better and to, 
make you pass on the correct genes to your offspring. Yeah, and there's also other ways of changing expression too. Um, there's actually a lot of other ways. Uh, epigenetics is one of the cooler ones, I think. Yeah, I've seen, there's this one guy on YouTube, he changed his uh, lactose intolerance. Really? With a virus he designed. Really? Yes, he infected himself with a virus to change the expression of his genes. I mean, yeah. To be able to drink milk, basically. Yeah. And like, it worked for a, a while. And, like, now he can drink milk better, but it's kind of, like, disabled again. Like, the gene has not been expressed. I mean, yeah, viruses are kind of crazy, actually. Because some of them, right, the retroviruses, they can insert, they can, like, they have RNA for their genetic makeup. They don't have DNA like us. However, they have proteins that actually transforms that RNA back to DNA and then inserts it into our own genes to make more viruses, like to control our own <laughs> cells. It's like they actually take over, which is, is really insane. But yeah, if you have lactose intolerance, right, and you take that gene, right, and a virus has that gene that you need and can insert it into your own body, right, suddenly you can actually be lactose tolerant again, right? That, that makes sense. If you insert the gene back, right you can and so like there's so many different ways of actually changing your genes there's actually also other technologies like um that can actually like specifically change the you know base pairs or whatever in your genes which is crazy and so like that's like the main field of like you know that's like where it's developing because yeah. changing genes are is so important i mean like it's kind of an ethical issue but also for cancer and other stuff like that, it's so important. I think we should definitely just lim like get rid of the restrictions for research on that because it's just, it's so important. You kind of yeah. just, I think we as humans, we just kind of need this technology. I mean, yeah. If we want like longer lifespans. There's also other technologies like, you know, enhancing photosynthesis or something like that if we actually know how to you know the genes needed required for photosynthesis or how you know to actually like to make plants more efficient at it or more efficient at taking carbon dioxide out of the air or all of these things there are so many uses for um for changing genetics that it's it's really important and life itself is very fine-tuned over billions of years, right? I mean, they're not, it's not the most efficient, but they're really efficient at what they do. And genetics is like the key to get into all yeah, of these technologies. We basically, we, we as humans, all these years, the only reason we've gotten to the point we have right now is enhancing genetics of like animals and plants basically by just breeding them and selecting them for what we want yeah if it weren't for genetic engineering basically we as a human race we'd probably be m nearly wiped out or still really small numbers but we're almost at or are we even at eight billion people i don't know but yeah genetic engineering is insane think about breeding as 
genetic engineering because that's kind of literally what it is in a way because you're changing a lot of genes at the same time it's pretty cool i mean it's, it's not really specifically changing genes it's just like you choose what genes you know you want to yeah. keep like so if some if like a dog for example is not very like if it is if it's really shy you're not really gonna breed that because it's really shy you don't want a dog that's shy right and so yeah. over time you know like things like their actual behavior changes because we selected it for the gene that actually makes them more friendly to us and so like there's so many things that we have actually genetically engineered without actually really knowing it actually for yeah, a while dog breeds, right? every single dog breed to this day is a product of genetic engineering and artificial selection it's yeah actually crazy to think about and that is like why they're so versatile too it's like we actually they're not mixing together and so when they don't mix together we create other like species basically like we block them from you know exchanging genes with each other and yeah. that makes them different from each other and so like that's why no other animal is like the dog really i mean maybe cats but that's also genetically engineered. <laughs> Nothing natural is really like the dog where they have so many different like species and they can still technically breed with each other, right? Yeah. And that's like kind of going into the species definition too, which is kind of iffy. But yeah, yeah like it, it's crazy. Like nothing is, nothing else is like that. And it's just because of us, really. Yeah, and if you see something in the grocery store or something that says like GMO free or something, like kind of don't believe it because usually the thing they're selling has been selectively you know picked yeah. for thousands of years so it's pretty much a gmo at that point yeah anything we eat pretty much is a gmo because the wild type version of it often sucks and is not tasty and does not fill our bellies enough so basically everything's a gmo if you think about it Another cool example of GMOs or genetic engineering is the wild cabbage. Basically, broccolis, cauliflowers, and cabbages, they're, they're all the same species, just selected for different parts of its anatomy that makes it what it is, you know? So basically, broccolis, they selected the wild mustard plant for flower buds and stems and for cauliflowers they selected for just flower buds and cabbages they selected for leaf buds and kales they selected for leaves and that's why they're all so different but they're actually all the same species that is really insane to think about like technically that would mean too that you could breed two of them together and you would get some sort of hybrid, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can get a cauliflower broccoli. I mean, people Brussels don't do sprouts that. as well. But you can see how, like, how humans have really separated, you know, these types of features of plants, right, specifically. And this goes for dogs, cats, whatever. And it's crazy because this is the same species. Like, they could breed with each other, right? Yeah. Like, they seem totally different. I'm pretty different. sure they can. So, yeah, that, that's insane, honestly. That's really insane to think about. Yeah, six different vegetables from one species of plant. That's kind of crazy.
other than selecting for specific features in well animals or plants there's other ways naturally that happen that change expression for example there's something really cool that happens with rna where they can take out parts of rna right and then you can have so many different combinations of one gene right and so like that can change so much and these are called introns and so when they get transcribed or trans well translated in ribosomes to go into proteins they can form different proteins from the same gene that's like another layer of complexity that life has made another one is actually this one's pretty cool too it's called well there's some that's called like m m i r n a or s i r n a and they intercept others other r n a like m r n a and they stop it from going into the ribosome and going and translating into a protein so like there's these little pieces of r n a that can be made from another gene that can go and intercept others to stop it which is insane and this can be used for so many different things too like to treat cancer or something like that if you know what gene it is causing the cancer right you can actually go and intercept that r n a and it binds to it so that you can't trans translate that piece of r n a another part of expression is actually when r n a wait cut that out I can talk about how they use viruses for modifying plants genetics. Okay, we can talk change. about that after. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good one, I think. There's other things too that like block proteins from making RNA too, like physical barriers basically that stop them from passing through and making more RNA. These things can be like turned off by signals. Like specifically so for example let's say yeah let's talk about lactase right lack making of lactase so lactase can go and you know they can decompose lactose right into glucose and galactose i think it is and so when it does this you, your body can actually use that for you know energy but it can't use lactose so you need to break it down and so that thing can actually in some places it can be turned on the transcription of specific proteins can be turned on because lactose is present so like that sort of signal can be used to then actually make the necessary components to break it down so like that's pretty intuitive i think and so it's yeah again it's crazy that that was based on luck if you think about it another crazy thing is something called transposons and they're like dna that can move around the body the, um, i mean move around the actual um like move around the chromosomes and stuff like that these things are like separate from the actual like yeah from the actual main dna they can change locations and they can be controlled by other things based on where they are and that's insane because again like how do they know what they're doing <laughs> Like yeah. they're just moving around. Like how is that? <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. And so like that's another thing that's being researched on is like how, right? How does this work? It yeah. doesn't really make much sense. And we were talking about before how that 
guy change the expression of his genes with a virus. Viruses are also used for this type of thing in genetic engineering. Whenever you want to genetically modify like plants or something, you have to infect it with a virus. And this is why there's so many regulations on it in most countries. Because if that virus accidentally, you know, breaks loose from wherever you designed it with like special genetic code, it it can kind of cause a lot of trouble, as you can imagine. <laughs> if a genetic modifying virus just goes loose and starts infecting every everything around it, that would be kind of insane. Yeah, there's also like enzymes, which are proteins, that can cut like specific areas of DNA. And so like they can detect that area like based on the code, right? And they can stick onto it and break it. And so when they break this DNA, you can replace that section, if you have two sections, right? You can replace that section with DNA that you want there. So like that's also another way of engineering DNA. So like it's similar to what a virus would do, where they actually insert their genes into, um, into the actual main genetic information of a cell. One, th one more thing about GMOs though is there's starting to be companies <coughs> that just make genetically modified organisms purely for aesthetic purposes, which I think is just cool. Like there's this one company that makes glowing plants, which is actually awesome. And there's also glowing fish, which are also awesome, but yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, that, that gene is pretty cool. It's from jellyfish. Yeah. <laughs> so like they actually take the jellyfish gene and put it in other things, which is- Yeah, in a plant, yeah. it's crazy. I'm surprised it's actually that easy because like, you know, it's not that easy. I mean, it's, it's pretty difficult. The way that they can cut DNA, uh, DNA in the sequence of, of the jellyfish gene is actually like, it's a lot easier than other things. That's why they can do it so many times to different things. And like, yeah, yeah that's crazy. Honestly. Oh, you can also put that fluorescent protein in in brains and stuff so whenever you see basically you can visualize brain activity with glowing and it's insane they've done it on a fish and you can see like each part of the brain lighting up as the fish thinks it's it's actually really really cool that is kind of crazy we've been going for 30 minutes oh crap <laughs> um, what do you want to do? Just uh, continue? We can keep going. Yeah, let's just continue. Just cut it. Cause I mean, we can go into cloning real quick then. Yeah. I was going to say something about that jellyfish, but I completely forgot. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, AJ, you should listen to this cloning story. Oh, wait, wait. I was going to talk about. Yeah. One thing that's actually really cool about certain genes like that is that they can actually be used in bacteria right we can put that in what's called a plasmid and these things can actually be replicated by the bacteria if it's something that's advantageous is also on that ring of dna right if something else is advantageous they'll replicate that and so we can basically get copies of this gene 
not just from jellyfish, but we can actually manufacture it using bacteria. It's, it's crazy. Like we have so many ways of making these stuff. And yeah, and so that's also why it's so possible, you know, making things glow, you know, that are not supposed to glow. Speaking of making things the way you want it, <laughs> cloning is actually something that's kind of controversial, controversial, I <laughs> <Kind> think. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, kind of, <laughs> totally. <laughs> but yeah, there, this is another form of really like selecting for, you know, like genetics. And in this case, you're actually selecting for the exact genetic information of something else. So I think to understand cloning, it's first really important to understand what stem cells are. And so like this is like what the talk is about because stem cells are only formed or only there in embryos. Yeah. And so right now stem cells are kind of like the holy grail yeah. of everything. And so like <laughs> they can actually be used like stem cells are really important because they can turn into whatever cell you want in the body so like think about a baby right like it has to have organs and stuff like that right so how does those you know the egg turn into you know organs right and so that that's from stem cells so the egg replicates itself still they're stem cells but over time the cells like really specify into what it wants to be or what it needs to be and so but but in this case, right, once they specify, you cannot revert it back. Or, well, you can actually, there's some ways now to revert it back. But you cannot really change, you know, you know, you, know, you can't really make a stomach cell from a liver cell. It doesn't work like that because the, the liver cell turned off the genes for stomach cells. And so that's why stem cells are so important because they can really turn into any cell in the body. Yeah, and speaking of cells, this is kind of unrelated, but you know the neuron, it can actually grow up over a meter. Yeah. At one cell, it's really Yeah, I mean, insane. you have to connect your brain to your muscles somehow. <laughs> yeah. Right? But like that's something that people don't really think about. Yeah. How basically everything is just connected by neurons yeah. and sometimes they are really long. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's that one's from your brain to your legs, right? Yeah, your sciatic nerve. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. And actually, side note, it's necessary for that because um, the electrical signals that pass through, you know, from your brain to your actual muscles are passed through those actual, you know, those long axons is what they're called. Like those long skinny pieces of nerve cell that try, like go across your entire body to connect, you know, your muscles to your brain. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. back to cloning. <laughs> a really basic method of cloning is actually called somatic cell nuclear transfer. And so what happens in this cloning, and this is basically how most things before, like, you know, 20 years, 30 years ago, have been cloned. And so it kind of fixes the problem of stem cells by replacing the nucleus of the egg, which is where the genetic information is, so all your DNA, right? Taking it out and then putting another cell's DNA, right? Another cell's nucleus into that egg. And it's super unreliable. Many things die from it because 
you know, that's a lot of change in, you know, to replace an entire nucleus. However, this has made it possible for first in the 1950s, a tadpole to be cloned, and then Dolly the sheep, which is the famous one. Sheep. Also, later on, cows and sheep were also cloned, and the first person to clone a dog was actually, he's a pretty interesting guy. <laughs> and it's actually verified that he did clone a dog. Um, it's just, he was a Korean guy. And what's crazy about that is that South Korea at this time was really behind on a lot of you know, scientific you know, research. And so they tried to make, you know, they tried to glorify South Korea again with you know, a figure. And this, this guy who cloned the dog, right, he also cloned cows, I think, before. But I'm not yeah. sure if that was verified. But the dog was definitely verified. He was the first person to clone a dog. Um, his name is Huang Wu Suk. And nothing. What? <laughs> his name is Huang <laughs> Wu Suk, and he basically was trying to pioneer human cloning with this method of somatic cell nuclear transfer, which is again very risky. And so, with humans. <laughs> He ended like he used eggs, right? And so here, here's the problem with this this method: you have to get eggs from another human, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> that's the problem here, and so in a lot of countries, actually, you know, the payment of you know buying eggs off of people because the you know the surgery and stuff like that to get the eggs is kind of risky. Well, it is risky. You will have long-term effects most of the time. Yeah, that can yeah neg negatively affect you, right? In a lot of countries, this is banned, right? Or, or not the payment of it is banned, right? If people want to volunteer, they can. Um, actually, South Korea, the first time he tried to end up, he tried to clone humans. This was actually still legal, and so he was kind of fine, like it was okay doing it, but still he ended up using a lot of eggs in that yeah, first study. a lot of eggs. Yeah. In the first study, he, he used up a lot of eggs and did not state it. And because it was unethical, it seemed unethical to pay people <laughs> for eggs, right? Yeah. And so, and he's just wasting it, if you think about it, because a lot, most eggs die. I mean, in his study, even with the number of eggs he used, right, which could have, I think it's a lie, it was still like a 1% rate. So even lower than that would actually be the rate of survivability of these cells. Yeah, and the way actually he was convincing people to get the eggs, to obtain the eggs from, is like, because the promise of human cloning is kind of great. And they kind of like said, basically, oh, this, this is revolutionary technology. If we get your eggs, and we figure this stuff out, then we can cure a lot of things. And yeah. of course, a lot of people want a lot of things to be cured. I mean, so then they kind of just volunteered their eggs. I mean, it seems really weird to clone people, right? It doesn't seem very ethical, but if you really think about like the reasons for doing it, the actual reason why cloning is so revolutionary, right? Is that if you can take your own DNA and make a new liver or a new stomach or you know a new heart or whatever, right? If you can do that, 
your body would be able to accept that those cells. Yeah, no need for donors, and it's better than donors because yeah. you're donating your own organs. Yeah, because the thing with donors is it works, right? However, you often need to repress your body's like your body like your body is repulsed by other people's cells. Basically, it tries to like you know kick it out. It's a foreign object, right? Yeah, and so. There will be medicine. A lot of the times, there will be medicine that represses this, and this is a problem because your body needs to repress a lot of things. <laughs> like, you're going to be, you know, affected. You know, your immune system is really going to be affected by these drugs that they give um, to treat this. And so, if you can clone your own cell, right, and in a stem in a stem state, you can also make any organ you want and then replace it. So this is why it's so important. It's because you can make organ organs that can, you know, that your body can accept and you can use to the fullest. This like cures so many things. And so this guy, he did use that, and, th and that is right. That's that's really right in, you know, the benefits. Right? He was right in saying that. However, there were actually some cases where. Well, the website that he's using. They actually lied and said they were giving it to a family or something. There, there are many cases where the website this guy was using was actually lying. And instead, they were actually, well, they were saying that they were using the eggs for another family who couldn't make offspring, which is just a lie. They were using it for research. Another <laughs> case was actually when he coerced his own coworker to donate eggs, yeah. which is so unethical. And so his coworkers ended up donating eggs, and they didn't even know it was unethical. It's because of the work culture that they didn't actually know this. But he hit it up until you know many years after the study when it was found out that these people were actually donating their eggs. Like that's so unscientific. Yeah, like she was interviewed, and she at first she was actually really proud. Like, yeah, we donated eggs, or like he asked us to do it, and then she found out later that she can't actually say that, and that's actually kind of. Yeah, and so you know. it's it's a really crazy story because this guy, he did another study where he had a, like supposedly had a five percent success rate on cloning. Which is insane. Using this technique is, is really insane because it doesn't happen like that. And, you know, many people suspected he was lying. And actually, with a full investigation years later after the study, it was found out that he used over 2,200 <laughs> eggs. <laughs> like, that's a crazy number. 2,200 eggs he ended up using, and he wasted most of them. And this is not just to say... This, it has not actually been experimentally verified if what he did was actually cloning. Yeah, in the in the paper, apparently, he reused the photos yeah. multiple times, and pretended that they were different cell lines. Yeah, which is actually crazy when they found that out. Yeah, and and really, <laughs> they were supposed to test on well the the actual tests to make sure that they're you know actual stem cells is if you put these cells in like mice, they'll start to grow tumors, which have different human cells inside of them. And so 
these tumors, if they have human cells, like liver cells or stomach cells or whatever, right, inside that tumor, then you know that he cloned stem cells. However, he did say he did this, but in the actual study, you know, it wasn't actually like experimentally verified. And p other people who went and asked other people who participated in the study, you know, where did this happen? They had no clue. <laughs> so it was like all, all hidden by this one guy. And it, it's crazy because after the scandal came over, many people defended him. Even the people who donated their eggs and were lied to defended him, which is like, it, it's kind of crazy that that is the mindset of, you know, the people. And it's not their fault, but also because this guy was a figurehead of science in South Korea. And yeah, it was crazy. And he ended up, the judge was very nice to him. And he, he's now free. He doesn't have any consequences right now. He just had to pay. And he's now cloning dogs, which, you know, it's a lot better. But he has a company where he clones dogs. You know, stuff, I you know. really wonder, though. In case he actually did clone a human embryo, yeah, where is it right now? I mean, I think because like if a person with moral views like that, obviously he doesn't care too much about ethics and morals, because he just, you know, <laughs> he probably might have kept that thing alive. Yeah. I, I'd like to imagine just one day a clone will just emerge somewhere from korea i and doubt that. it'll just be like it's probably dead 100 percent. nah but i like to imagine it would okay be <laughs> imagine anyway yeah and the funny thing about all of this i mean it's not funny but it's you know funny. this yeah it's crazy but in the end this actual you know way of making clones has now been basically replaced there's a new method now that they're trying to study and this is way more reliable where they insert genes like we talked about before right from viruses viruses do this and so they can change the expression of the cells back to their stem cell state which is way more you know ethical because you don't need eggs you don't need anything you just need to take a human cell and then change the expression using genes and so like this is the new way of cloning that people are trying to do. And if this becomes a reality, like if this becomes reliable, it will totally change medical, you know, the, how people are treated. This has been Curiosity Chronicles. Hopefully you learned about many things today revolving around DNA and cloning. Tune in next time where we will be talking about something that most people would be curious about.